Hey guys, what's going on? This is David Avalon with my co-host Robert Drysdale for another episode of Breaking the Guard. On today's episode, we talk about the recent fouls that have been going on in the UFC that's costed three fighters their fights, including Peter Yan, who lost his title fight by uh, throwing a knee on a downed opponent, which is Aller Jermaine Sterling, that actually ended up with a disqualification giving... Sterling, the championship title for uh, bantamweight, which is kind of a crazy way to win it. And then there was Eric Anders in a similar situation, dominating his opponent, throws a knee, and ends up being ruled a no contest. And um, last but not least, Leon Edwards with Bilal Muhammad, I gouged him into a no contest as well. So me and Robert explore the different avenues of what's going on with the fighters that... They're making these fouls. What rules could be changed or added to safeguard from these types of things, or like remove some rules that are not necessary? And uh, we talk about that and a few more topics that we just man around like we usually do. So go ahead and tune in, and uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Before we get started, I'd like to give a mention to one of our sponsors, which is BJJRetreat.com. So if you've been following me online or on social media, you know I have a retreat in Costa Rica that's going to be from April 9th to the 16th, so it's not too far along now. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, we have now, uh, we've sold all the regular packages, which include the hotel, transport, all that. The only spaces we have left now are training-only packages. It's just $5.99, and that covers six days of training. The total camp's eight days long. The first day, we generally don't do any training. Then we have six days, and then the final day. So <clears throat> it's going to be over 15 hours of training, a lot of opportunities to learn. And there's going to be days that you can just go out and have fun, visit volcanoes. Um, you can go to the rainforest, go on the beach, go spearfishing. Lots of really cool stuff. And even though it's a training-only package, of course, you have to cover your flight, hotel, your meals. Our coordinator, our man in charge there, Ron, he'll help you out. And I'll make sure to tell you where the best places to stay, best places to eat, and book excursions for you. So you'll still get all the, the concierge treatment. And uh, you can pick where you want to stay. So, again, that's only $5.99. If you go to bjjretreat.com right now, you can go ahead and reserve your spots there. Uh, the, yeah, like I said, this is going to be my second time going over there. We had a blast last time. We got a full house coming in, so I'm looking forward to another great experience. So I would love for you to join me, granted that we still have space. So go ahead and reserve your spot at bjjretreat.com, where we have all the information and you can learn more there. Hey guys, what's going on? It's David Avalon here with my co-host Robert Drysdale for another episode of Breaking the Guard. Robert, what's going on today? Uh, not much, man. A lot of errands. Just telling Dave, I got to start waking up early in the morning, man. Not enough hours in the day. I just love to sleep. I'm not like, you know, I like to work too, but I like to get my eight hours in, you know. I don't feel like I'm very functional with less than six. Like yeah. seven to eight is ideal. I know people that sleep like four. I'm like, I don't know how you live, man. Yeah, I four is... Bare minimum. Yeah, yeah. Healthy, you can, you yeah. can function, but like you said, like consecutive days, yeah. I don't know, you're going to get stringed out. And I, I feel like 
people who sleep very little, you'll see they get sick all the time. Yeah, it's, it messes up your immune system. Like, sleeping yeah. is the healthiest thing you can do. Yeah, there's nothing healthier than sleep, and it's just that you know you have that work ethic and you want to do it all, but you also want to rest. So, I guess I get up earlier, man. Like I, I'm just telling you, like I run like crazy, and then by the end of the day, I haven't even gotten half of the things I do. Like they they come in faster than I can solve them. It seems like you know. Yeah. But yeah, man. Um, all good stuff. Other than that, you know, just good stuff. Good busy. How about you? Yeah, well, the same. Doing little projects, and uh, you probably seen from the house. I got like a, a giant dumpster full of concrete. Nice. Yeah. And getting like a a swim spot put in the back there. And, oh, nice. Of course, there's hiccups everywhere. You know, like oh, this guy messed up, and it's yeah. always <laughs> way more work than it sounds in theory. Theory is all everything is perfect. As soon as you start doing stuff, there's like all these things you didn't even know you didn't know. Yeah, so I'm finding I'm like oh great, that's gonna be an extra two thousand next year for like oh, son yeah. of a bitch. It goes quick. I know. <laughs> I, I just finished some construction at the house. I actually still got some construction going on. It's it's a nightmare. Yeah, but uh, other than that, going good. But uh, I know one of the things we wanted to start off with was talking about the past couple of UFCs and yeah. I, I wrote a blog about it but since the past UFCs we've had like pretty flagrant fouls that are like I don't know it seems almost amateur level mistakes that some of these guys are making particularly with like Peter Yan uh, um, in his title defense against Aljamain Sterling he's dominating his fight fourth round he looks like he's on his way to get a TKO because he's throwing punches yeah. Aljamain drops to his knees Trying to play the game where at least I won't get kicked or knee to the yeah. head anymore, and it, it's a very premeditated knee that uh, Jan throws because he's holding it. It's like he's thinking of what to do. I didn't see, but didn't he ask his corner at some point if they, he could? They said, well, according to the corner, it's a pompa, right? And the um, pompinha, right from yeah, PTT. Pompe, yeah, yeah. So he said, he said, punch, punch, right? But then they were saying the. The Russian translator, translator uh, was also saying strike, right? So they don't know. Oh, the translation got something got lost there. Yeah. And then he fired that knee, and it was clearly a, an illegal knee according to yeah. the rules. And uh, again, hard to say how hurt. I mean, he was already hurt. Yeah. The whole point, he dropped his knees because he yeah. couldn't take the punishment from his feet anymore. Like flush knee to the head probably didn't help, but at the same time, could he have continued? I I, I would think so. He, he, it's shocking that a champion doesn't know the rules inside out. It is. It's like you know, like an NFL football player and like not know what a touchdown is. I'm yeah. like, wait a second, that's <laughs> what you do for a living, man. You got to know these rules inside out. It I, that to me is shocking. The other, as far as the guy faking it, which from all accounts it sounds like he did. I kind of understand it. Like in his shoes, it's easy for the outside to go. You got to do the right thing. But like the difference to him is not only a belt; it's also millions of dollars and yeah. a potential for a rematch that's going to make him even more millions of dollars. So I mean, I I don't like it, but I understand the dynamic of being in his shoes and making the call where it's going to grant you a title plus millions of dollars. Yeah, you know, and it's it's not like he his wrong was just acting more hurt than he actually was. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's... Maybe he watches a lot of soccer. <laughs> this soccer would have been carried in the stretcher. Right? <laughs> <laughs> He'd have been like, ah! Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, career-wise, I could see that angle for sure, obviously. Yeah. Like, he's going to get the rematch. He gets the now yeah. extra sponsor money because he's a oh, champion. All of it. Yeah. But apparently, he was talking smack 
saying calling uh, Jan a paper champion, which is very ironic. Yeah, uh, yes. he's literally a paper champion. You know yeah. what I mean? Well, he, he won by uh, technicality. Here's the thing: like, it just helps them because now they're going to use that quote repeatedly yeah. to build up even more hype. Like on, in the long run, he benefits from this tremendously. Even if no one gives him any credibility or any credit for being a champion, even if all like anyone who knows anything about the sport looks at that and goes like, eh, "I don't know about that title," you know, which has got to hurt him a little bit, but. It just opens so many other doors for him now. Like, he's on the map. Like, in a sense, like, he's, you know, not in the sense where, I mean, he's already a top contender, so what I'm suggesting, but, yeah. I mean, he goes in the hall of UFC champions now. Like you can't take that away from him. So, I, I can understand from his perspective, even though as a fan, I don't like it. Yeah, especially when you contrast it to what happened with John Jones and um, Anthony Smith. Very similar type of situation. I think it, it might have been a groin strike or whatnot that John Jones delivered. And technically, Anthony Smith could have won by DQ and got the title and a victory over John Jones. Yeah. But he chose to continue fighting. You yeah. know? And I remember people commented, oh, that's honorable. And, he's, and he always said that he would never stop no matter what. You know, like he's a real fighter. <laughs> so you have that guy, and then you compare it to this situation, like, uh, you lose a lot of street cred. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> but, so. no, it, it does. It, it, but it doesn't matter. Like, you know when, when, when Conor McGregor throws a trolley at a bus? You think that hurts him? When yeah. he punches an old man at the bar? You think that hurts him? Oh, it definitely does. It helps him. He steals a cell phone. Yeah. What happens? He gains like a million followers. Like, it actually helps. It's crazy, but it helps him. All right? So these guys understand this. So it doesn't matter what you do as long as people remember you and notice you like that's all that matters right so you can be as obnoxious as you could possibly think as, as, as you could behave and you're, you're gonna get away with it but you know I, I i mean dana likes this i mean it doesn't make his champion look great but he knows he can build up a fight that between me and you was not the most exciting title fight in the history of the ufc right right like they're not like top like known fan, like fan favorites right but now shit i i want to watch that rematch you know, I didn't see the first one, but I want to watch the rematch. And it's the nature of show business, man. Like, it doesn't always go, you know, the warrior. We like to think of the warrior who's going to go out there and do everything, you know, and be virtuous. It's, it's, it's show business. This is about money. Like, it is money that drives everything in that industry. So I can understand why he did it. But, you know, I, I think the overall credibility of the sport, because you don't want it to, like, UFC is the opposite of soccer in the sense where, you're supposed to be tough and not be faking shit. Yeah. You know, like it, it does hurt the sport a little because now people go at that and go, oh, you know, like you guys do that too. I thought you guys were the tough guys. Yeah. You know? and especially like apparently he left the, the belt in the ring, you know, like, oh, he didn't deserve it. But then later on, they put a template picture and he's with the. <laughs> I, again, man, I, I'd be happy as shit. In his shoes, I'd be happy as shit. I'm like, I don't give a shit. I, I, I'd be like, okay, I'm a champ. You know what I'm saying? Like he, it's, he didn't throw the illegal knee. No, that's he what didn't. I'm saying. He, someone else did. He just took advantage of the situation. You know, in my opinion, in these type of positions... No contest. You, sh you shouldn't put... Well, no contest might be one thing. But I think it's always hard to put that type of decision on the fighter. You yeah. know, like it's kind of like you're making the fighter... Like if I'm the coach, I'm watching that, I want to get the win for the, my fighter. Yeah. My, my goal is to keep my fighter safe yeah. and get the victory, right? So I would say, no, you can't continue. But when you put that decision on the fighter, 
you know, you have the, the part of it with your ego, which is like, oh, I can still fight. You know, but at the same time, it's like, well, I'm going to make a lot more money if I do, if I don't. Yeah. And you're putting him in a position where he shouldn't be that. Like, he shouldn't be making those executive calls, you know? Like, yeah. He's literally just raw talent. He just works, you know? Yeah. The, the coach should be the one that would decide that for him. And then that kind of shields a fighter from looking, you know, weak or, you know, or maybe making a foolish decision and saying, oh, I can't fight when you really shouldn't fight, you know? Because you have guys that would probably... Like someone like Anthony Smith might continue to fight when he probably shouldn't. You know, he might be really messed up, but he's just too proud. It's kind of yeah. why, like, it's like why the f- the corner throws a towel. Throws a towel yeah. because he makes the call because some fighters just won't. I, know, I see what you're saying. I, you know, the funny thing about this whole game is like I I might have made this analogy here or somewhere else recently before, but like I've never been crazy about like IBJJF advantages. Like, I don't think there's an easy solution. I understand why they do it. I'm not, I don't hate on them either. Like, I understand why they do it. There's a logic behind it, right? But I've never, it's always, it's always like disappointing you see someone just like strategically winning on advantage and not really trying to do anything beyond that. That's never yeah. fun to watch, right? No one likes that aspect. It's just a difficult problem to solve because otherwise it turns into decisions all the time. You get all these decisions, decisions, right? Um, I never liked advantages overall. However, did I use them to win? Yeah, a hundred times. <laughs> if I if it came down, I can't beat this guy. I can't tap this guy. But I really want to move on to the next round because I want a gold medal, not a bronze medal. I would use advantages to win. You know, so this is one of those things where it, it sounds like hypocrisy, but it's when you're a competitor, your objective is to win. Like you, you hate the the the, the hate the game, not the player. Like the player is doing what he has been trained to do, which is to win. Like if a soccer team is strategical, or a football team for that matter is strategical, and like you know. Not not opening up the game and locking it down because they're head on points. That's strategy. Now the fans don't want to see it. As a fan, I don't like to see it, but I understand why they're doing it. Like yeah. so, I I don't I only partially condemn it. Like I understand that these guys, even though, you know, I have my my issues with show business as a whole, but it is the nature of the game. You can dislike it, but that's those are the rules of the game. Yeah, you know, and that's this guy's trying to make it. He wants to be a Conor McGregor. He just took a step forward in that direction. So from that perspective, it was a huge win. Yeah, and I, and again, the mistake was obviously Jan's. Like, I don't know why what was going through his head when he decided to throw that knee. Yeah, which is then similar because in the next UFC, you have Eric Anders, who also almost a very similar situation. Round two, dominant fight. Looks like he's on his way to TKO his opponent. He, the guy's against the cage on the knee. And then he's there punching and then just fires a knee to the head. In his case, it was ruled a no contest. I guess because it's a two round, it was a second round. So it, I forget how the rules cut yeah. off, you know, when a foul like ends a fight. But it seemed like, why? Like, why are these fighters not understanding? Especially after such an example was made yeah. in the event previous. You would think, yeah. hey, don't need a guy on the ground, you know? And, you know, like the commission, they have these. I, I really wish, and I don't mean to shit on commissioners here, but like I know they're trying their best, but most of them don't have any fight experience. Yeah, and it's it's kind of shocking when you have like a turn. Like, like a lot of times they move in attorneys into these positions. They, they seem that attorneys seem just like they know everything about everything. Like no, they don't. Like yeah. they don't know. You know, but they put these guys in these positions of power, and then they're making decisions on what's dangerous and what's not. Right. I remember like one of my fights in Texas. I had a bad ankle, so I taped my ankle. Just yeah. tape white tape, yeah. and they're like, nope. And I'm like, just out of curiosity, why not? It's just going to keep me safer in there. I'm less likely to roll my ankle and fall, right? And his, the commissioner's argument was the tape can cut your opponent's eye. Yeah, yeah, and I'm going, wait, what? 
I mean, I'm about to walk in there into a sport where I can elbow him in the eye. I can knee him in the eye. But the tape is dangerous. It, it's just like some of the art. And a lot, I remember like when there's amateur fights here. I mean, I, I don't think those still might be the rules here in Vegas for amateur fights. No leg locks at all. Do you know that? Yeah. You can't foot lock people. You can't knee bar people. I think in Florida is similar. You can't do heel hooks like, or something. Where, where, like this, where does this logic come from? You can knee him in the head. But God forbid you go for a strip footlock. You know, it's a, it, the, the, there's the hierarchy of risk and danger is something that they're completely unfamiliar with. And, yeah. and jiu-jitsu made that mistake, too. Judo's made that mistake when they ban all these submissions. I've argued this a million times, and I'll stand by it. I, I don't know the numbers, but I'll be willing to put money on the fact that most injuries come from transitions and takedowns, not submissions. Yeah. And I think that coincides with most experiences that grapplers have on the mats. Most of the injuries you're going to see don't come from you getting armbar. Think about your last five injuries. Was it you getting armbar, getting kimurid, yeah. getting foot locked? Where do they come from? It's the, it's the passing. It's the sweeping. It's the scramble. It's the takedown. It's you landed in a funny way. So like, it, it, I'm not suggesting we ban those things, but I don't think submissions themselves are that dangerous in terms of risk for, for, for practitioners. I don't think... I can't remember the last time I got injured from a submission. Like, it's been, I mean, years, really. I, mean, I can't even remember any occasion. Maybe one time, like, I didn't believe in heel hooks when I first started training. I thought it was a matter of flexibility. <laughs> <laughs> I still pay. I st- it still hurts. But, like, uh, other than that, like, I can't really recall being injured by a submission. Oh, if you're talking to someone who's been famously injured by... Okay, you're, you're going to like Ruzumar, yeah, man. Like, yeah, that's yeah, a different... Okay, yeah. like, Ruzumar yeah. is like, okay, he is... Every rule has its exceptions. That guy is something else, man. But like, but I don't see that so much as the rules. Uh, it's him. It's him. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. Like, it's yeah, nothing yeah, to do with yeah, the yeah. rules. It's not... It's it's no, the guy is and just... And I agree with you, because besides that, every other injury I've had was takedowns, wrestling, particularly... Takedowns are the worst. Yeah. Takedowns are the worst, man. I actually believe this. I think that time and experience has taught wrestlers and judokas that most of their training has to be live drilling over combat friction. Because I think if you wrestled 100% every day, you had a very short career. And I think wrestlers and judokas over time, coaches have understood that the best way to practice is to emphasize controlled live drilling and minimize live action. Like in BJJ, it's the opposite. There's very little live drilling. There's a lot of action because yeah. there's less impact. It's more controlled. Yeah, you're starting on the ground. You're on the ground. Yeah, yeah. You know? so it's a lot easier. It's like striking. Yeah. If you did full sparring every day, you end up, you know, like... Oh, 100%. With uh, a TBI yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Point. Yeah. Like BJJ is unique in that way, or, you know, ground, nuaza, ground fighting for that matter, because the, the impact is not there. And everyone's terrified of the submissions, you know. But again... Even heel hooks. But I teach white, uh, white belts at the gym. I teach them heel hooks. Yeah, we do too. I, I always have. You know, everyone like, thinks I'm crazy. I'm like, why? You teach them how to tap. I, I have been doing this for years. Dave, I can't recall the last time anyone's been injured from a heel hook in the gym. I mean, I'm yeah. sure it has happened. I can't recall. But it's not something that happens not even once a year. Right. You know? It's very easy. If, like you said, you introduce it early. And you tell them, hey, look, this is a heel hook. Very dangerous position. Yes. When you apply it. You go very slow. Yeah. If you're the guy getting caught with it, you tap very yeah. fast. You know, and if you're cranking it and the guy's not respecting yeah. it, just let go of it. It's just training. Yeah. So like all that pre-framing makes it very hard for people to screw up. Correct. You know what I mean? Correct. So, but if you let them find it on their own, it's like kids with drugs. You never give that talk, and 
Yeah, exactly. They're gonna do their own exploration, yeah. and you know they're gonna get messed up. You know, like you set up all 100%. the rules, let them know the expectations. They're much better informed to make a smart decision. A, a big part of it too, Dave, is having good culture in the gym. So if you have good culture in the gym, like for example, you walk in there and you feel like you're in an environment, no, no one wants to hurt you because everyone likes you. It has to, it's it's hard to explain, but that's probably the most the greatest asset any gym has is the culture. Yeah. It's not how good your instructor is or how many medals he has on the wall. But you walk into a place and you feel that you belong there. You're at home. I like these people. I know that if I pass out here, like no one's going to, you know, no one's going to keep, they're all going to stop. Everyone's going to stop to try to, you know, take care of me. Like I know that if I get injured, there are five people in this room that will volunteer to drive me to a hospital. Right. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Like it's that kind of level of trust that it's got to be good because I've been to gyms where it's very hostile. Oh, yeah. Not only for me as a visitor, but even amongst themselves, there's not, I mean, especially, especially yeah. MMA gyms, they don't have that same camaraderie. And I've experienced this up close. It's very individualistic, clicky. You have these like people going at it. Like I'm not going to mention names here, but I've seen guys spar. Like that could have been like a UFC title fight. Yeah, It could have been, and they're going at it, like trying to knock each other out and sparring. And I'm going, dude, like you guys got, you know, you're going to get hurt in there. I've but seen, it's just not healthy. I've yeah. seen guys sparring and getting ready for UFC. Like two weeks out. Yeah. And they're sparring. Guy drops to his knees. He soccer kicks the guy in the head and knocks him out. Yeah. The guy that was going to find the UFC. Yeah. I'm looking. I'm like, first of all, what the hell? It's like, oh, he's like, oh, I just got caught up in the moment. I'm like, what moment? A street fight? Yeah. You can't do this anywhere. <laughs> you know, no, like, man. what the hell, man? You know, but like, that just goes to show you, it's like kind of like, you know, a dog eat dog training environment. Like, everybody's out for themselves and they're trying to prove stuff. It's like, yeah, if, like that's the one thing I always tell people when they ask me, "Where should I train in Vegas?" I go to Rob's, man, because it's like a it's a family environment. Everybody, I don't feel anybody's out to try to kill me. Yeah, you know, and like you said, like you, you can tell, like people are all close together. Nobody yeah. wants to hurt you. You know, that's a good place to learn. Like yeah. you said, you you can do a trust fall and someone's gonna pick you up. Yes, you know? yeah, and 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 if you're in an environment like it's hard to create that environment because you have to. You have to lose the bad. You have to like put the like. This is what I tell gym owners because like I, you know, my affiliates they they call me sometimes. They're having problems with their students, right? Yeah. Or when I go teach a seminar, the gym owner, hey Rob, you've been doing this all longer than me. What'd you do in this situation? And I've made every mistake you could possibly make. So like, you know, I don't mind like you know giving my two cents on what I would do because I've lived that situation before. And it normally comes down to be willing to cut out rotten branches. Yeah. There's some people that don't belong. They're going to try to change the culture. They're going to, I mean, May fighters are the worst because they come in with a different, different mindset. They don't come in as like, I'm a member of a team. They walk in, I'm a UFC superstar. It's a, they're very different approach. And they walk in, they try to change the culture. Yeah. They want to walk around with their shirts off, barefoot, spit in the garbage. You know, if they bleed, they have tape everywhere. Their gear's all over the place. They don't wash their shit. Dude, I don't like that. Yeah. I put the hammer down. Just the other day, I'm not going to mention the UFC fighter. Like, it has gear all over the gym. Like, hey, man, can you put that away in the cubbies? And he just looked at me like, it's the first time he was told that. Yeah. I think he hasn't heard that since he was in high school. Like, hey, man, can you please, please put your gear in the cubbies? And he looked at me. But I think it sends a message. Like, you're not the boss here, bro. I know you're a big champ, champion. I know yeah. you're a badass. But in here, different was If you're willing to do that to like your best students, because it's always the ones that are going to challenge the culture in the gym. They're not the white belts. Yeah. It's your purple belt. It's your brown belt. They're the ones that are going to challenge the culture. They're going to try to change it to their own benefit. And as long as you're willing to like confront that and like hold the line, two things happen. That asshole guy, the guy's trying to hurt people, that brings bad culture, that talks shit, that is disrespectful, he's either going to change and jujitsu is going to save him or he's going to leave. 
Yeah. You know, it's it's, and I think that's exactly what has to happen. You just got to be willing to weed out. And I used to be like, oh, I'm going to lose, you know, X amount of dollars per month if I do that. It's like, you know what? The peace of mind. That, yeah, the yes. Net, the net over a long time, you is, gain. Yeah. I gain, yeah. And not only that, there's like getting rid of like stress is something like I value peace of mind way more than money. For sure. No, you know, I mean, if I'm happy and like, if I'm happy inside, I'm not stressed out. Like life is just so much better. But it's even financially, that's short-term gain, yeah. right? Because like, oh, I'm going to make extra money off this one guy. But that guy is going to end up poisoning a lot of other people. Mm. Because once, once, it's like kids, you know, kids always test boundaries, right? And they're, they're going to see like how far they can get away with things. And if you don't put your foot down, like, oh, okay, I can go all the way here. That means I can try to go here now. And they'll keep going and going. And if you never discipline your kids, they're going to run, run all over you. I mean, but once you start putting your foot down, like, oh, okay, this is a line. It's a hard line. I can't cross that line. And everybody else, if they're watching, you have other kids, they're like, oh, I can't cross that line. I saw the beating that he got, you know? You got to do the same thing with your, your culture, you know? Because we're animals. We all are trying to challenge. You know, it happens to lions. You know, young lion comes into a new pride. There's a fight. Yeah. Right? Who's going who's gonna to run this show, you know? Taking order, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately, as gym owner, you're the headline. Yeah. And there's going to be young males coming in trying to, see what they can get away with every day yeah. every day yeah and you got to check them you know and it, it's kind of like man i didn't sign up for this like, you kind of did you just didn't know <laughs> you didn't know it. <laughs> you, you were it's unaware in, it's in the fine print yeah, i was gonna say it's in between the lines <laughs> you didn't see it <laughs> yeah you're gonna have people challenge matching you oh. and all sorts of goofy stuff that you're gonna put your foot down but you make the it, once you get used to it it becomes a lot easier yeah. you know but like for especially when you're a new gym owner and you come into it like, oh, I want to help people and, you know, I want to be cool with everybody. Yeah. But then, like, that attitude to somebody who's, like, you know, like a dick or whatnot, they're going to see that as weakness. They're like, oh, yeah. that means I can... I, they're yeah. Immature people. Immature this, people, This yeah. is, like, this is... I, I find that the people I have the easiest time working with, like, if I were to hire them or do kind of business with them or give me any kind of responsibility in the gym, have always been people that have a family and a career. Jobs. They, they've been kicked in the teeth in life. Yeah. You know, you've had a shitty job, so you can appreciate a good job, right? You can tell the difference. It's yeah. like anything. You have, the, you see the bad, and then you really appreciate the good, right? But you give opportunity to someone who's never had a real job, and they go straight from their parents' house into your house sometimes, or like, you know, just teaching jujitsu and living the jujitsu lifestyle, whatever that means, you know? Like, <laughs> it, it's, they come with a lot of expectations. They, they yeah. think they made it. Like, I guess some of these Brazilian kids that I brought over in the past, and they had zero work ethic. Like some of them were good, like, but the majority were like absolutely horrible. And they have this mentality that they're in the US. I made it in life. No, no. You gotta work just the same. Yeah. <laughs> the difference is you're gonna be more rewarded here than you would have in Brazil. That's yeah. the only difference. Exactly. You gotta work just the same. But like the mindset is kind of like, I made it. So immediately they're kind of like, and then when they don't get everything they were expecting easily, they're kind of like, you know, frustrated. And it's a very common thing amongst fighters because very few of them want to have like a job and train, which is what everyone did. That's what you did. That's what I did. Like I never had like, I'm just going to train full time and do nothing. I'm like, no, I always had a job. Yeah. I always worked. I was, I was a teaching class. I was doing something else. I've always had work on top of going to college, on top of training. Like, you know, when I went to DCC, I was going to college. I was working. I was running a gym. And I was training, like, and I did all, dude, my, my days were like 12, 15 hours day, like long, like, I was normal, Yeah. you know, but you get some of these, the, 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 I hate being the old man here, but like, there's no way around it. Yeah. 
they're just very entitled. They think it's easy. Like, you don't want, I had people complaining about driving 30 minutes to practice. It's yeah. too far. Like, they're just like so upset. They got a, you got a car, bro. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got a car. Like, you're living in, like, amazing infrastructure of Las Vegas. You got a vehicle. Gas is dirt cheap. Yeah. You're 30 minutes away each way. Come on, man. Yeah. I, but people complain. When I opened my gym, I, I mean, same situation as you. I was going to college full-time. I would teach at the gym, yeah. and I would be trying to train at the same time. And at a certain point, I was working at the power plant or whatever. So, like, I was juggling all these things. And I lived in Fort Lauderdale when my gym was in Miami, which was, like, an hour away. You know, and then that's with no traffic. You know, and that's my own gym. Yeah. <laughs> the white pants. <laughs> but uh, me and my brother were doing, like, probably, like, Three, four hours of driving a day, just back and forth, yeah. you know? So, yeah, it's funny. Like, that's why when, when I moved here and you were telling me people complained, like, oh, God, they didn't they have no idea. Yeah. No, I know. I know I had one kid, like, he was um, he was staying with me and he wouldn't walk to the gym. You see my house in the yeah, gym. It's, it's a 15 minute walk. Yeah. Not a drive, it's a 15 minute walk. You cross a beautiful park. It's, there's no, like, it's not dangerous. Yeah, it's, it's not, like, you know, it can be hot in the summer, cold in the winter. I, you know how many times I've done that walk? Sometimes I want to walk to the gym. I take my shirt off, I get a tan, and I just walk to the gym, put my headphones on, listen to music. Yeah, it's it's beautiful. Be, it's got to be a little bit less than a mile, I think, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's a 15-minute walk if yeah. you're walking at a normal pace. Yeah, I had this one kid in, like, early 20s, just like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. You have to drive him to the gym, otherwise he wouldn't show up. I'm not making this up, man. Like, I'm dead serious. I know, it's crazy. You would think as a young fighter, like, that's your warm-up. You run to the gym. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I'd be like, what? Like, it's, it's, if I had to walk two hours to get to practice, I'd do it, man. Like, you yeah. couldn't, I, I was not going to get stopped by that. Yeah. <clears throat> now you got to drive him. I need to ride It reminds me of my dad used to tell a joke. Uh, he's from Venezuela. Yeah. And he said, like, when people are in Venezuela, they hear about America as, like, a land of milk and honey. And it's just, yeah. like, there's literally money on the street yeah so this uh, guy from venezuela comes lands in miami and he gets out of the airport and he sees a hundred dollar bill on the floor and he's like ah, my back hurts i'll start picking up the money tomorrow <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah i think it's kind of like that what you're talking about yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's 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 not too far off it's a, it's a mindset uh but here's the thing though i think that when you Eventually, you learn. I think that's a youth thing more than anything. You, 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 in jiu-jitsu, what it does, and it, it prolongs your teens. And I think it did that to me in some ways, too. Like, while I was fighting, I was probably in my early 20s, 25, and I was far less responsible and far more entitled. That Even though I was doing all these things, I think that you, you, once you get kicked in the teeth in life, is like you realize how hard it can be. Like, you actually have a lot of bills to pay, and you got responsibilities. That's when you go, oh, okay, I had it easy. I didn't realize it. Yeah. You know, it's like, because I thought you go for your parents' house straight into, you know, the jiu-jitsu world. And because if you're good, you can get away with it. You yeah. know, I always say, like, the two professions, you can be irresponsible and successful at the same time. You can be musician and martial artist. You can be incredibly irresponsible and incredibly successful yeah. at the same time with no contradiction. There are not many other professions. Or not just fighters, but, like, professional athletes in general. Yeah. If you're very good at basketball... It doesn't matter how immature you are. You, you're going to get by just fine until eventually you retire. And then you got like, oh, shit, now i got to manage all this money I made. And you have no experience doing it. And yeah. Hence, professional athletes all being broke, broke. two years after retirement, yeah. right? Even when they make millions. It's just like winning the lottery for a lot of people. You know? Yeah, it's zero it's like, idea how to manage it. And, you know, what you're talking about, like, having to mature <laughs> through these hard lessons. Like, we had, my brother was telling me something similar that happened to our gym where we had a young I think I was a teen, good 
kid, uh, very good uh, talent, but he just didn't want to listen to the rules, and he was a little reckless with the way he was sparring, and he was warned several times, didn't seem to care, and then we ultimately had to kick him out of the gym, and then he ended up, he was crying, and he was all apologetic or whatnot, and the takeaway I got was, look, it was unfortunate, but if you would have kept him on, he wouldn't have had learned the lesson. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, this is kind of like he had to learn this lesson the hard way. And hopefully, yeah. you know, he does. So wherever gym he goes to next, he comes with his head right. Yeah. You know, but like you in that situation, like it was, the relationship was too soured to come back from. You know what I mean? Like, they need to. He yeah. needed to learn. He can't it. recover from it. Yeah. But he, and, and, and this is where like I've changed a lot over the years because you, you grow up your whole life. And you're told, right? I'm not very religious, but I, I grew up in a, in a religious environment. So either that or it's my nature, whatever the case, or, you know, the people around me, what my parents taught me. But I've always believed that compassion was always the right thing to do. Always being compassionate with people. I don't believe that anymore. I think sometimes the right thing to do is to be selfish and tell people to fuck off. <laughs> like sometimes, it depends. Like there's, there's, there's time. I'm not saying suggesting you should never be compassionate. Like I'm, I think there's, you go case by case. There's a balance there because... When you help too much, you're actually not helping. That's why I told my students in class. Like when yeah. you're, when you're, if I, for example, if you're a white belt, I'm a blue belt, and I take it easy on you, and I don't make you tap because I know it's going to hurt your feelings. Am I helping you? Yeah. You're not. You know, what, you know how I help you? I beat the crap out of you. That, that's how you help. You, you, you make them tap as many times as you can. You know, and that we, you know, it just, and then, okay, maybe, okay, you're going to quit then. I'm like, it's not for you then. It's not for you. You don't have the metal that it takes to be in here. And if you don't, that's fine. You got to go find something else. Then don't waste your time doing something you're not meant to be doing. But and if you do have the metal, if you are qualified for this, this is what you're meant to be doing. You're going to be appreciative of the fact that you're asking. You're going to come back stronger the next day. It's that simple. So sometimes like firing someone is the right thing to do. It actually yep. helps them because yep. it sets them on a whole new course of action where they're going to find their real passion. They're going to find what they're meant to be doing. They're going to find what they're good at. And if they're passionate about it, they're not going to get fired because they're going to do a good job. So I'm less empathetic towards these things. And I, I used to be like very tolerant. Yeah. I've changed a lot over the years because I, I find it really is a balance. You're not helping when you think you're helping. No, and I think that's exactly the point. Like, even though it might not be seen as help in short term or yeah. not compassionate, it yeah. actually is. It actually is. And yeah. That's why I was telling my brother, like, you, we did the, you did the best thing you could for this kid. Because if you would have kept him around and tolerated the behavior. You would have never learned. He would have been. He would have got probably worse. Yeah. You know, because he knew he can get away with it. And like he needed to yeah. put him in his place. And although it sucks short term, long term, hopefully he gains and learns from it. Otherwise, like you said, he just wasn't put out for it. And it's you know it's kind of like people who like who linger in a relationship too long that's already yeah. been dead. You know, but like they're just afraid of the pain. Yeah. Of the break. It's but you need you need the break. Yeah. You know, if it's if everything's very tumultuous. Is just somebody has to be brave enough to go, okay, yeah. You know, go. we're living in a society where, like, we are constantly trying to avoid pain and suffering. But we forget that that's how you become strong. Yeah. Like, Nietzsche would always say he believed in purposeful suffering. Like, he didn't believe in, like, you know, causing pain for no purpose. Yeah. But if I cause you pain and that makes you better, I'm helping you. Yeah. And that it, it has a purpose. Like, so when you, when a, when a dad, like, makes his 18-year-old son kind of get a job and pay his own bills and doesn't buy him a car... He's actually doing them a huge favor, you know. Like I know like, very wealthy people, and they don't give their kids shit. I'm like, that's a good dad right there. And then you see the wealthy parent that gives their kids way too much. I'm like, ah, you're not helping. Uh, you're not helping. You're preventing them 
from learning the lesson. It's what I call the the culture of the participation. Yeah, the participation medal culture. Yeah. Right. You you reward people for being there. You're my son. Here you go. Right. Oh, you showed up to compete. Good job. And you just destroy the competitive culture, which is primal. It's it's necessary. You need competition. It's good. You know, it breeds excellence. Um, I just don't, it, when I see people, oh, but like little Johnny's crying, I'm like, let him cry, man. Let, so what? Yeah, I, did I cry too when I was a kid? So what? You know, you know, no one's ever died from like being upset because they lost a tournament. You lose your soccer game, well, you got to give them a medal for that? How, are you actually preventing them from getting better? It's the opposite of helping. Yeah, like if, I feel like if you're someone, like let's say you were talking about a very wealthy person that was a self-made you know, millionaire, whatever, the path that you went on was probably difficult, but it had to be. In order for you to get what you are, so if you don't give your child a similar path, you know, yeah. they're not gonna get similar results. Yeah. They're gonna have to live off whatever you have and then fuck off. Yeah. You know, like you're, you're not doing them a favor. You know, you gotta. That's why, like I, I think, uh, what was it? Oh, Trump in his book, uh, he talks about little stories that he, about his sons yeah. and whatnot, and he had them negotiating chores and the rates they would get yeah. for chores. It was kind of funny because I guess it was like they were they were setting a fair a price for cutting the lawn. And yeah. I think it was like like twenty bucks or something like that. And then one of the brothers found out that the other brother was getting paid forty dollars, right? <laughs> and he's like, "Oh, dad, what the hell?" He's like, "He negotiated. You just took what I gave you." Yeah. And he's like, "Son of a bitch." <laughs> Great lesson. <laughs> his lesson. Great lesson. Yeah, yeah. You had to negotiate everything. Yeah. You know, but like he's a businessman. But that, that's, that's the path but that, that he's taking. And, yeah. and you know, in the long run, in the long run, you know, you actually, you they will appreciate it because he lost twenty dollars, but he learned a life lesson. Oh yeah. Like I was talking to someone the other day, and then, you know, like she was telling me that like when her kids left the toys out, the rule was you got to throw one of them away. Mm. So every time the brutal. <laughs> brutal, I was like, "Hey man, that would work." Because I guarantee you, threw yeah. one of my daughter's LOL dolls away. Huh. <laughs> one, they would never leave their shit on the ground because like, it's a collection, man. Like they collect those little things; they're expensive too. But yeah, man, they um, it's it's. I, I actually think it's a good lesson. Like my 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 uncle in Brazil, he's a really hardcore guy. He's one of those like, it reminds me of Clint Eastwood in that movie, uh, Gran Torino. Just like that's. You know, he's, he was he's that guy, right? So he bought my two cousins an Atari when they were like eight and nine years old, whatever it was, like 80s, right? Atari yeah, was yeah, like, that's that was a, yes, yeah. that was legit, right? And day one, there's only one remote control. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. So day one, of course, they're fighting over, it's my turn, right? Dude, he picked that thing up and threw it out the window. It was brand new. And no kid had an Atari. It was one of those. He threw it out there. I mean, imagine, especially in Brazil. That must have been hard to Oh, get. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a big deal. He threw it out the window. Done. My cousins were like, dude. like it, But it was like one of those scars that you never really fully heal from. Because <laughs> you're going to hate your dad for doing that. But I think it teaches. Sometimes like you need that that hard lesson to learn. You yeah. know? And, they, 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 and then at the end, you appreciate those things. I think you look back and you go, you know what? I missed out on hours of playing with an Atari. But... I got something more valuable from it. So I don't think there's anything wrong with a little, you know, struggle, pain, and suffering. I think that's part of the journey. They typically come in equal measure, too. That's my other thing. I think that, you know, you're going to get something really good, and there's, like, another side that's going to be really hard. You're going to pay a really high cost for yeah. that, right? And just the way – that's what makes it valuable, too. Imagine if people just handed you a black belt. What would be the merit? You yeah. know, like, everyone's a world champion. There you go. Everyone's a world champion. Like, if everyone's a world champion, what's the point of being a world champion? 
You know, it kind of yeah. it, it, it blows the, the whole purpose of it being meaningful, right? I think it goes for everything. Yeah, I agree with you. And uh, circling back, I want to get to that uh, back to the knees because you're talking about one thing which was funny, which is maybe it was before the podcast. You were saying how they always pick lawyers to uh, the commission, <laughs> yeah, because the, the commission. Yeah. So to me, the rule of the down knee, because we have two guys who get DQ'd in one week, you know. It's foolish, in my opinion, right? If you think about a knee, well, what's the point of putting the, the rule is because it's supposed to be more dangerous. Yeah, I, that's, I, I'm with you. It's right? not more dangerous, yeah. The head is approximately around the same height, if not lower, than if you had him in a clinch. Yeah. And I would argue you have less leverage yeah. on your, yeah. when you're sprawled over the guy trying to throw a knee. 100%. Because your hips are way back, your weight's not in power, versus standing where you can brace against the guy and throw it in. So, like, you're not going to throw a knee with more force than you are from standing. Yeah, I agree. So, why do we have that rule in the first place? So, this is where IBJJF and the UFC and the commission and every other organization on the planet got to be more scientific. It's not hard. Yeah. You get a professional Muay Thai fighter with a good knee. And you measure the power standing, yes. and you measure the same thing on the ground. You tell me which one's stronger. I'll guarantee you that his knee's going to be stronger standing because yeah. there's way more leverage. Yeah. There's way more mechanics involved. On the ground, even like some of the stuff that's illegal on the ground, like I can understand like you know 12 to 6 on the back of the neck being dangerous. But in some positions, it's like that's not going to hurt him. Depending on where you hit him, but they always make it illegal, yeah, yeah. right? It's just, it's just, if I hit you in the arm, that doesn't hurt you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but they make it Probably illegal. In your chest. Right? Yeah, exactly. Like it's like, but no. they have all these things that they haven't thought through. Like, I honestly think they make rules based off of prejudice, off of what they think is happening. But because they lack the know-how, either because they've done no research in a sense of, let's collect some data here and find out what's happening. Versus, or, you know, I actually been in the gym my whole life. I know what's happening. Right, one of the, between those two things, between people that can actually put together statistics and people who have been in the gym their whole lives, I think you come up with an intelligent decision. Yeah, intelligent no, and, and rules. They have the tools to measure that. They so, have it. Yeah. Okay. So, like the other one I would talk about is the down kicks. I don't think the the one kick that people say, "Oh, it's a soccer kick," when yeah. the guy's down. I'm like, mm, I would like to measure that. Yeah. Let's, let's get a soccer kick, measure it, the, the force generated yep. versus a. Roundhouse, roundhouse kick, to the head. kick. I agree. Or a front kick to the head. You know, yeah. the way you both have knocked out plenty of yeah. people. I, I bet you it's comparable. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I think the other thing is that people right now, like for example, I was reading Sterling dropped to his knees because he knew he would be safer. Because he knew if he was standing, yeah. he was going to take more punishment because there's more leverage on the strikes. We know that, yeah. right? So he went to his knees because it's easier to manage the damage from there, right? But if you knew that a guy could knee you or soccer kick you, are you going to stay in your forest? Probably no not. way. You're going to go to your guard, which is what we used to yeah. do, right? In a, in, a, in a real street fight situation, I'm not going to sit on turtle yeah. and let you soccer kick me. Right? Yeah. It's very easy to avoid. Yeah. I just roll over. Yeah. But people don't want to do Unless that. Unless you're out already. In that case, the referee should have stopped it already anyway. Yeah. yeah. You're already done. You know what I mean? But like, if you're biding your time, like Alderman was clearly biding his time. Yeah. He got, I think he got hit with an uppercut and whatnot. He dropped to his fours and he had his hands down and he was kind of like covering. So it's, again, in the framework of the rules, smart, right? But like we're moving away from, to me, what the spirit of a fight is, yes. right? Like this is supposed to be more. And it's more, not making it safer. It's not making it safer. <laughs> yes, I know. You know. It's not really making it any yeah. safer. You know, you're just dragging on the beating, yeah. if anything, you know. Like in a real street fight situation, if you got hurt, the smart thing to do would be pull guard. 
Yeah. Because I mean, you you're keeping your head as far as you can, and now at least you have your most powerful limbs, your legs, to help try and manage distance. Bay, yes. you know? The other one, too, is you know it makes no sense, and I have never heard a good argument uh, against it, is that people can't kick from the guard if we're underneath. Yeah, also I'm like, sense. it's less power. It's way less power than the standing kick. Yeah. It's way less dangerous. Like, why would the really dangerous kick, you know, because the, the power's at the end of the kick. Yeah. You load up your hips, you load it up, and then you fire. And at the end, at the very end of that lift, that's where it's going to hurt the most, right? You don't even generate nearly that much power from the ground. I'd kick you from the ground. I'd be able to land a kick. It would hurt, but it wouldn't. I mean, yeah, you could possibly knock him out, yeah, but it's not. It's, it's the only one I can think of, Henzo with uh, Oleg Daktarov. Yeah. And that was just a perfect shot. Yes. Yeah. But I, I, yeah. I, here's the thing. You could make an argument. This, this could be an argument. I think there would be not a lot of passing because people on top may not want to engage too much. So when they hit the ground, people might create that long range right away, and there'd be less me trying to pass because the guy kicking from the bottom would force the guy either to get really close or really far. Well, right. that, that actually, that just brings a point because that kick was legal because he was standing. Yeah. But if he was on his knees, it isn't legal. But wait, is he generating any more force? No, it's less. No, it's less. It's less power. It's yeah, less. It's, that's why it makes no sense. Yeah. But the only thing you can say is that it would make, there would be less grappling because of that. Because the top guy is either, if he's skilled, he's going to move forward to shorten the distance. If he's unskilled, which is unfortunately the majority of people in the UFC don't know how to pass, yeah. they're going to back out. And then when they back out, they're gonna, that's, that's going to end the ground fight, right? So you could make, okay, maybe it's going to be less interesting because there's less grappling. I guess you could make right. that I argument. I think but Dana as, White would probably like that. As, <laughs> yeah, he probably would. But as far as risk goes, I can't see how that kick is more powerful than the one he is standing or when they're kickboxing. Yeah. Because they're not even close. No, no. That's no. one of the weaker kicks, you know, yeah. especially when the guys are on the ground. So, like, those rules to me, I think they should be all gone. I, yeah. I think down kicks, down knees... Up kicks, yeah. all should be good. They're not. There's. No, they're not more force in any of them than the equivalents. You know, standing. You know one that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. But uh, on the other side of, I think the rules for, for example, eye gouging, need to be reworked as far as the the penalties or whatnot. We had Leon Edwards who eye gouged Bella Muhammad multiple times until unfortunately he like, like I told you it was like a fish hook in the eye. Like he literally. I gouged him, and then the finger got into the bottom lid and ripped. Mm. You know, that ended the fight. You know, and there was a no contest. But and people are like, oh, the gloves had to be reshaped and whatnot. And I'm like, in my mind, no, it's the the fighter that's doing this. Yeah. If you because he was warned in between yeah. rounds, hey, keep your fingers down. You know, because yeah. he's fighting like this. You know, so and he's measuring yeah. a lot. And you know, who's another fighter that does that? John Jones. Jones, yeah. And I remember in my top of my head, like, he's probably had at least a dozen, right? And then when I Googled, he goes, top 10 uh, eye gouges from John Jones. I'm like, oh, this is just a top 10? He's got, he's got, <laughs> he's got a category just for himself. He's yeah. in his own league. <laughs> I'm like, so you're saying, like, look, I get accidents happen, right? And sometimes you're clinching. And, oh, you're, if it happens a lot, it's and, not and an and accident. And you headbutt, right? <laughs> or, you know, you, you're throwing an inside yeah. kick, you graze the guy's nuts. Yeah. Like, it happens, but like, if you have a top ten highlight reel of your eye gouges, you're fighting like an asshole, right? Yeah, it's it, it, it's, it's, it's a method. It's no longer an accident. And they have yeah. all the highlight videos, and yeah. you see he's doing the same thing every time. And he, yeah, and he's using it like he's pushing off the guy's head. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, you're gonna eye gouge him. Of course you are. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. You know, like, and really, there's no tactical advantage. 
to doing this except to eye gouging. Yes. Because really, you don't want to jam your finger to someone's head like this. Forehead, no. Yeah, you, you, yeah. you're more likely. You're, look, you're targeting that 100%. Yeah. And, and what drives me crazy about like these rules, too, some of it is just so retarded, man. It's like when the guy, like same thing, eye gouging or holding the fence. Yeah. They know it's illegal. Yeah. Like you don't get a warning. Like what do you mean a warning? You didn't know it was illegal? Like you're, suppo- you're a professional. You're supposed to know what the rules are. You hold on to the fence. What it, you, the message you sent out, you go, you're telling them that you can hold on to the fence once and get away yeah, with it. exactly. And you don't think they know this? You think they're stupid? Like I swear, like the commission, sometimes like this, the rules they make make no sense. You don't take a, you take a point right away in the story. And you'll see it's going to stop. The eye gouging thing, they get away with it because they get warned the first time. Yeah. And it's not an accident because, like I said, you can tell there's sometimes there are accidents, right? But when you have somebody like him, when you see the stance like this, yeah. no, I know it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. Maybe not this fight, but it's going to happen, you know, just by the way you're putting your hands. Like, and your, your open hands, maybe here, like when I'm like catching it's, or it's, preparing. It's perfectly fine, but like but on like impact. When, yes. Yeah, when I'm reaching like this, why am I reaching with my hands open? No, if it's I might as well just jab you, yeah. you know what I mean? So I think that's BS. And then the cage grabbing thing, people are like, oh, it just happened accidentally. Dude, Rob, I've trained with cages my whole life. I've never grabbed Never hold that exact same thing. I never held I'm, on I'm the like, fence. I'm like, what reflex? Like, no, man, I just push. Yeah, you know? I've never held. I, no, you're right. I, now that I think about it in practice, I, I can't recall a single situation where someone trying to take me down and I hold on to that fence. Yeah. Like, it doesn't, no, 100%. It's, it's, it's intentional and they know they can get away with it. One of many holes. Again, me and Dave, if you follow the, if you watch the podcast, me and Dave have solved every problem in the world multiple times over. There's a great minds thing alike, right? right? You know, what can we say? <laughs> All right, guys, um, I think that's it. We've reached our hour. Um, I got to go. I got to give this Melon a haircut. Um, you and me both, actually. Yeah, but um, yeah, that's it, man. I had fun. Let's do this again, Dave. I'll be, I'll be around. I'll be um, out of town this weekend, but I'll be back next week. So again. Awesome. Sounds good. All right. All right, guys. Hope you guys enjoyed. See you guys next time. Ciao. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you guys enjoyed our podcast. Like always, comment, like, share, email, all that good stuff. You can find us at our handle Breaking the Guard on Instagram and Facebook, Breaking Guard on Twitter. And you can go to our website, breakingtheguard.com, which has links to all the different podcast platforms, YouTube, and everything else where you would find us. And as always, just let us know anything you want to see or you want us to discuss. We're always open to input from you guys to help us improve. Thank you. A final word from one of our sponsors is closedguardfilm.com. If you've been following Robert, then you'll know that his book, Opening the Closed Guard has been doing phenomenal and uh, they're getting closer to getting the movie done. I know a lot of people are really excited, like, oh, when's the movie coming out? It's coming, but you can get the book in the meantime, which gives you a lot of behind-the-scenes stories uh, behind the film and lots of all the interviews and a lot of background information. It's a really good read. I highly recommend everybody. If you go to closedguardfilm.com, you can get all the news coming up about the film and also you can order the book there. It's also available on Amazon. So if you go on Amazon and you just type opening closed guard, you'll find the book there and you can order it through there as well. Although if you buy it from his website, more of that uh, the revenue is going to go towards Robert and you know towards developing the, the film. So I would suggest you do it on the website closedguardfilm.com.